All right. Hello, everybody. Marcus Giuliano here, uh, restaurateur, uh, do a bunch of things. But right now, I am the host of In the Weeds, Real Tales from the Restaurant Industry. Uh, JR, tell us about yourself. Hey, yeah, good morning. Um, so I am a restaurateur. I am a local consultant and uh, all-around kitchen guy. I've been doing it for about 20 years. I own and operate the Noble Dog here in Birmingham and uh, help consult for the Good Soil Restaurant Group. Awesome. So the Noble Dog, uh, what is it? A restaurant, food truck, hot dog so joint? We're, <laughs> so we're actually a mobile food cart. Uh, we do... Uh, different pop-up events. We do brewery pop-ups. We do charitable charitable events. We do uh, all kinds of different things, uh, office lunches all around Birmingham, but we specialize in doing artisan grass-fed hot dogs, uh, pasture-raised pork kielbasas. I've developed my own uh, special recipe for a veggie dog, and, um, you know, we've really harnessed, we've really tried to harness uh, the power of marketing and branding to really set us aside from any other kind of hot dog operation in Birmingham since the city has such a rich history uh, with that type of food. I was going to ask, why should people come to you? But you just told us. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I saw some vegetarian items on your menu too. Yeah, we do. We do a lentil chili. Uh, we do a lot of hand uh, handmade toppings. We do four signature sauces. I partner with about three or four different uh, farmers in the area who are good friends of mine that I've worked with for years. And so we try to make the experience nostalgic, but uplifting and kind of uh, at, a, at a different level than you've ever had for a hot dog. Awesome. 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 Love that. Comfort food uh, refined. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it won't, it won't uh, leave you dragging. <laughs> All right. So how long have you been in the industry? So overall about 20 years uh, off and on um, here in Birmingham. I've, I've been a chef in Birmingham since 2010 and we just launched the Noble Dog uh, back in May of this year. Awesome. So uh, what's your biggest failure in the industry? You know, I, I, I gave this one some good thought and I would have to say hiring um, after it was all said and done. You know, I've been at the, the top of the ranks and at the bottom of the ranks. And anytime I've been in charge of hiring, you know, I've had a couple instances over the years where somebody might have looked really good on paper or they might have just sweet talked themselves into the job and they just, they didn't pan out. And it can really, it can really set you back, especially when they're in a position of responsibility, like a, a sous chef, for example, that's my best. I hired a sous chef once that just kind of, kind of took me for a ride and it really kind of put me back and made me had to have to jump back into the kitchen in a way I wasn't prepared for at the time. Yeah. Staffing, <laughs> staffing, huge issue in this industry all yeah. across the board. Staffing's huge. So what's, what's your one, do you, do you have like a go-to question or how, how do you judge an applicant? Um, Cause anybody can put anything on paper, right? They can be whatever they want on paper. So is there a certain question or a certain characteristic you look for? So I had a chef do this to me uh, when I was interviewing for the uh, executive sous chef position at Metro prime uh, it was a fine dining steakhouse in Birmingham. I had the normal uh, resume stuff. I had the normal application, but then on the back, there was a culinary quiz. I mean, it was stuff like, how many quarts in a gallon, you know, how many ounces in this, you know, how do you convert this to this, you know, what's a, what's a bechamel, you know, name four types of mushrooms. Like it was just like a very basic quiz, but as I was taking it, I was like, this is brilliant. Like, awesome. like it's a, it's a really, it's a re it was a really cool way to like, uh, to, to, to really call out a wolf in sheep's clothing really quick, just by a few simple questions that only somebody who's been doing this long enough would know. 
So I kind of adopted that trick and it's really helped me kind of weed through people pretty quickly. I love that. See, this is why I do this show because I learn stuff, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just one of those dedicated life learners. I'm going to start doing that today. Today, awesome, I'm going to have it, my man, assistant please. start doing that. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. You know, I mean, my one question is like, besides them being alive, like, <laughs> you know, you have to work weekends and holidays. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's amazing how many people don't realize that they're like, oh, hey, boss, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's New Year's Eve. You know, I need those days off. I'm like, no, man, like no one gets that. No one gets the entire week off. <laughs> yeah. And I always ask him. So like any family vacations, weddings, anything you guys got planned in the next like, like six months or so? Because, you know, these, these kids come to you that you hire, high school students, and they come to you and hire and say, oh, we're going on family vacation uh, for half of July. I'm like, I just hired you, dude. I just hired you. Like, I just trained you. But boss, it's my birthday. I don't get my birthday off. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy, but I love that. You know, I used to be like, you used to hire people and you're like, well, make me a hollandaise sauce. Mm-hmm. And you know, nobody makes holiday sauce anymore anyway, no matter if they're qualified chefs or not. So that's like down the drain, no pun intended, but you know, it's yeah. just like, yeah. So I just have to expect that when it's, when we do a brunch with holidays on it, like once or twice a year that I'm making the holiday sauce. Exactly. And that's usually what I did. Mine was aioli. I'd okay. say, make me an aioli. And if they, if they broke it more than twice, they wouldn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about one of your biggest successes. Uh, it would be the noble dog. Um, I mean, to take it from a concept to our first event in about eight weeks, like even my wife and I, uh, my wife, Taylor Clark, she's the, uh, the director of recruitment and growth for Rev Birmingham. And uh, we actually met when she had her own program called the Urban Food Project um, years ago uh, that helped aggregate local uh, produce and, and goods into the city centers of Birmingham. And, um, but we had this idea, we started visioning it, we started putting it together. I found the card, I customized it. We, we had everybody local in Birmingham from LG Creatives to do all you know, our branding and, and our logos. We had uh, Jay Rag who did all of our wrap on our cards, and you know we we pulled everybody that we knew from Birmingham to help kind of pull this off. And we did our first event not not shy of eight weeks from having the initial brainstorm of the idea. Wow! So eight weeks from thought process to exit to actual opening the door. Yeah, to our to our very first event. All right, this this is impressive. This and this is I think that that young entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs need to listen to this. You took massive action from thought process to opening your door in eight weeks. And we did it for under 10 grand. See, this is great. People wait for, we, people keep waiting for the right time, the right time, the right time. Is there ever a right time? No. 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 It's like having kids. Is there ever a right time? Nope. It just kind of happens. You just do it and you figure it out, right? So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like business. Just open it up, figure it out. Like, yeah, and there were I, there were stumbles along the way, and there were there were things that there were hurdles. There were things that happened really easily, and there were things that took a, every bit of that eight weeks to execute. And you know, it was just you, you keep you keep redeveloping your to do list. Everything gets a priority. Everything gets a checkbox. You know, and as you can check things off, things start bumping up the list. And you know, you, you just have to be you have to be flexible with what you're doing. Cool. Yeah. No. Awesome. What great. Awesome. What great way to take action. So. Uh, in all of your years in the industry, what's the worst thing you've seen somebody go to ER for or yourself? <laughs> it's 
So I've got two, and I'm sure I'm sure everybody can relate to the second one. The first one was me. So this was um, this was actually two days before Valentine's Day. We were I was at Little Savannah Bar and Grill. I was the chef de cuisine there, and we were prepping, getting stuff ready uh, for Valentine's Day. And I took a bread knife right through the end of my index finger and took a good good about three eighths of an inch chunk out of the front of my index finger. And I'm a very stubborn person, don't like hospitals. So I grabbed the end of the finger and I and wrapped it in a rag. And at the time I lived probably 20 minutes away from the restaurant, but my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, lived about five minutes away from the restaurant. So I called her up, I was like, I need your help with something. I go over to her apartment, I've literally got like a bloody stump and a rag and she's kind of freaking out. And uh, if, if you knew her, she doesn't do well with that kind of uh, that kind of situation and, and blood, but she, buddy, she she sucked it up and held it down and she we got some uh, liquid glue and she popped me open a beer and we started gluing this finger back together and we got it to quit bleeding, got it glued back together. Uh, oh, and it's Friday night, by the way. So we're doing this in a rush and we get it all wrapped up so I can go back to the restaurant and finish dinner service. At the end of that night, I took her out to dinner and it was thin. Well, it was, I'd already knew by then, but after that moment, I was like, yep, I'm going to marry this woman. I said, you win, you win. And the <laughs> second one was uh, years ago when I was still, I was one year out of high school and I was working for a buddy of mine's brother who was executive chef at the Beach Club Resort and Racket Club uh, in, uh, in Gulf Shores. And we were cleaning up. We'd already pulled the mats up and this kid walks down the line and slips and goes to catch himself on the edge of the fryer and the edge of the, at the edge of the cooler. He slips off the edge of the fryer and goes elbow deep into a fryer we had just turned off. He wings his arm out of the fryer and slings oil everywhere and just screaming, buddy. We grab every rag we can find and start blotting his arm. And we had to rush him, uh, Blake, the chef, had to rush him down to the hospital. And he had second and third degree burns from his fingertips all the way up to his elbow. It was nasty. You could hear his arm sizzling when he slung it out of the fryer. Oh, man. It was great. Oh, ouch, 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 ouch. All right, next, next, next question. <laughs> I've had some, some good ones. Any, any standout excuses why an employee can't come to work? Well, there's always the, the standard ones, you know, like kids sick, I'm sick, this or that or the other. Um, I had one tell me uh, his car caught on fire. And I've had a couple tell me they were arrested. They used their one call to call me at the restaurant to tell me they had gotten arrested and someone had to go down there and bail them out. Yeah, I had that happen too. The kid didn't show back up until uh, till payday. He was yep. gone for five days, worn out for my arrest. I'm getting arrested right now, boss. Turns out he was out catering, catering a so-called lucrative event that weekend for himself. Who's lighting on you? Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, man. I was like, it's not going to work out here. And then it, three out of the first, first four weekends, he wanted off. And if I couldn't give him off, so he just had an excuse. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. all right, it's not, it's not going to work out. Last week, last week, one of my employees comes to me and goes, I've got a family emergency. I said, you know, not that I'm not sensitive, but you're the fourth person this week with a family emergency. So I'm just sorry, but I, just, it just, I, I, ha I have to run a business. And I'm sorry I can't sympathize with you. Um, what hospital do you have to go to? Oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, okay, so you'll see your family after the shift. Then she goes, yeah, I, I can wait till after the shift. <laughs> <laughs> we have the worst around here. Being in Alabama, you know, everything is Auburn or Alabama. And come football season, 
everybody gets just hit really hard. Restaurants take a, a nosedive when football season starts, especially on the weekends. But you would not believe all the family emergencies that happen on Saturdays during football season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, really? Man, there's a lot of clumsy people on Saturday, huh? <laughs> Alabama starts at 2.30? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so um, have you ever kicked anybody out of a restaurant? A guest? So, guest. Yes, I have. Um, so, well, they were already on their way out, but it was a scenario where I asked them to very kindly and <clears throat> bluntly to never come back. Um, we had a, a tin top in, and this was at um, a restaurant I worked at years ago, and they ran this little girl ragged. I mean, they just, everything, everything over and over and over. We need more of this. We need more of this. We need more of this. And, and they get their bill and everything. They pay in cash. She brings back it. And it's just like a couple bucks and some change, right? And their tip was, their bill was a few hundred dollars and they'd leave nothing. And she just, man, she's just comes back in the kitchen. She is just mad and crying and whatever. And I come off the line, I grab their tip jars. And as they're heading out the door, I walk out through the front door and I said, Hey, excuse me. I said, y'all come back here, please. And they came back and I was like, y'all enjoy everything tonight? And they said, yeah, it was great. And I said, excellent. And I grabbed the guy, I grabbed the guy by the wrist and opened his hand and poured his change back in his hand and closed his hand. And I said, I'm glad you enjoyed everything, but you can keep your change and please don't ever come back. Boom. Boom. Yeah. You know, the, the guest always isn't right. Just the, the, in my view, the guest is always isn't right. And I've got stories like that too. And one time I followed the, they, they tried to use two coupons, two offers, brand new restaurant. I was, I was mm -hmm. consulting, uh, tried to use two offers. I was there in the house. Um, my daughter was actually helping out too and told them, no, they got pissed off. They enjoyed their food, walked out to them and said, uh, how old are your kids? That's my daughter there. She's 17. You just gave her a dollar for a tip. Imagine if that was your daughter. So she's in tears right now. You ran her ragged all night mm -hmm. and you left her a dollar. That girl's in tears right now. And that's not fair. And they walked back in and gave her more money. Well, good. I mean, if yeah. you've got enough money to go out and eat, then you need to have enough money to tip. Yep. Yep. You just can't use two coupons and try, try to beat up a restaurant. Can't no. do it. Can't uh -huh. do it. That's everybody, everybody, everybody has terms and turn terms. So, you know, so of course, I always ask like everybody's the guests always right. And we covered that. Guess guess is not you no, know, no, guess, no. guess guests have to be trained. Guests have to be trained. And you know, and I blame myself when a guest when a, the wrong guest walks in because I did the wrong image, the wrong branding, the wrong marketing. You know, so I'm like, okay, I'll take this one on myself. The guest is out of place. I for somewhere I I miscommunicated. Even though it's not always the case, I just like to take responsibility for stuff. It's all about expectations, right? There's expectations for the staff. There's expectations for the food. There's expectations for your clientele, you know, yep. every, everybody. I just got a one-star review on Yelp, and she says her mahi-mahi wasn't sesame crusted. Well, the mahi-mahi isn't. The ahi is, not the mahi. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hey, know how to read. You got to know how to read. Yeah, you got to know how to read. <laughs> Expectations, reading. Man, don't get me, don't get me started on Yelp, buddy. It, yeah, it well, that, well, that's what I'm going to ask next. Is what, what what's what, what's your uh, what's your thought on review sites? I'm not allowed to read them. They have uh, they have a place. They have a useful place, but the anonymity behind. Uh, these kind of sites is its own detriment. Um, so much when people feel like they can hide behind something, whether it's social media or it's these review sites or things like that, when people feel like they can hide behind a screen, they are much more fierce and much more free with their words than they would be if they, if they had to talk to me. 
or someone in my restaurant or somebody on the staff or you like they're they will say things and 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 act a certain way that they would never act in in regular society and for that reason i don't like them now for the sharing of ideas and for the sharing of knowledge and photos and like getting getting other people to know about your restaurant it can be very good. Um, but like I said, I'm not allowed to read them because I get, I get upset. I, I get, I, I get upset at the good and bad reviews. Sometimes the good reviews are too boisterous and the bad reviews are just too harsh. So I try to stay away from it. And I try to just try to just look at what, what, what useful pieces of information can we gather about our clients? Where are they coming from? How often do they come? you know, who's reading these posts, how many likes did certain things get, how many, you know, those kinds of things will look at those, you know, uh, those kind of dynamics of it. Um, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into the actual words. Cool. Good advice. Good advice. They can make you crazy, make you sick mm -hmm. almost. And yeah. I, I think the more passionate we are about our business, the more upset we get. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, this is our baby. It's our baby. And like, you know, and, and we got to suffer because you don't understand what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you and, and this is coming from people who have never, never been anywhere close to the restaurant industry in their life. And they would never say it to our face. Nope. No. Nope. And if they did, I'd fix it. <laughs> I would have bought her the ahi and got rid of her mahi. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done if, that. Yeah. If you had the courage to tell me why you were there or bring it up then instead of hiding behind your, your phone and, and blasting me like that, you know? All right. So what's more important, good marketing or good food? So... One hand washes the other. You can have you can have the best food in the world, but if no one knows about you, you're going to have the same six people coming to your restaurant every day. You can have great marketing and and drive a huge crowd, but if your food is is subpar, if it's crap, or if you if you've oversold it, then people just aren't going to come back. And you know that's very in a city like Birmingham, it's so prevalent. We have a huge food scene in Birmingham is exploding like never before. In the last 10 years, I, I've seen the different boroughs of Birmingham, you know, and I credit organizations like Rev Birmingham for their revitalization projects they've done. You know, what we've seen in places like Avondale and Lakeview and Homewood, these different boroughs of Birmingham, the food here is just amazing. And you have it anchored by, you know, great James Beard award-winning chefs like Frank Stead and Chris Hastings. And, you know, that these guys have disciples. I mean, they have guys that for years that have been coming out of their kitchens and opening their own places. So you see people, you see this new place open, they'll be busy. I buddy, they're gangbusters for six months. And then because something new else, just something new, else yep. new just opened. So they may still have really good food, but the marketing has to take another shift. They have to pivot and start almost a, a, a different marketing technique to retain those customers that first six months worth of customers and then reach out to a new group of customers after that. Yep. A steady flow of, of clientele. I totally agree with that. And this is what we teach. Our, we teach our coaching students. This is what we implement in my restaurant database, build your database, mm -hmm. keep working it. Cause there's somebody out there going to, there somebody else, else is going to outmarket you. And a lot of people think oh, I got good food. They were in once. No, they're going to forget about you. They're going to go somewhere else. Cause something else is new, hip, trendy, uh, better mark, better. It's better marketing. It's better marketing. Mm -hmm. Is what it comes down to because, you know, you wouldn't be in business for so long if you had bad food. It's just that that's only going to run you so long. So yeah. if you've been established, your food is decent. People will come to you. You got to let them know you exist. You just, it, it, it's, it's a lot of, lot of, lot of chefs, us chefs are stubborn. 
And we think oh, yeah. that, we think <laughs> that, hey, our food is good enough. And every chef who I've ever met that says, I don't need to advertise or market is out of business. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that's just, that's what happens. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So if, if, if you don't have butts in seats, man, I don't care how food you get is. I don't care how good your food is. If you don't have people in the seats, who knows? Social who knows media is the, social media is your new location. Yep. That's what it is. So, all right. So what's the one advice you would give to a new restaurant owner, somebody thinking of opening or somebody who just opened first month open? <clears throat> it's going to get better. <laughs> it's it's going to get better. Trust me. Every every day feels like Dante Dante's Inferno, and I promise you, it's it's going to get better. Prioritize, prioritize what has to be done. Look at you know, put out fires with grace, and just just keep going, man. Just keep going because it is going to get better. Awesome, awesome. So uh, drop your website. Where where where, where can people find you? So uh, our handle is the same across the board. You can find us. Uh, our website is the Noble Dog Be Ham. That's also our handles on Facebook and Instagram. So and, the uh, Noble through, Dog Be Ham, like B H A M. Yeah, Be Ham. So that's the the acronym for for Birmingham. So yeah, Birmingham. So Noble Dog Be Ham, and then you can find all of our you know calendar of events. You can find all of our catering information on the website. Uh, there's a uh, a catering questionnaire that if you fill it out, it emails directly to me, and I reach out personally to you to set up the events. And then everything, uh, all of our promotions and stuff is done through Instagram. So you can see where we're going to be, photos, collaborations, tags, all of that is, is done through Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, JR, thanks for being, uh, sharing your, your tales for In the Weeds. We appreciate it. And, you, uh, and if I'm ever down there, I'm coming to get a dog. Please, man, bring it on. I'm telling right. you. Awesome. I know you, I know you, uh, New Yorkers, man, y'all have a, a big reputation on dogs. Come on down to the South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>